Welcome to Zero Knowledge, a podcast where we talk about the latest in zero-knowledge research and the decentralized web. The show is hosted by me, Anna. And me, Frederick. This week, I chat with Wei Tsie from the EF all about MACI, which stands for Minimum Anti-Collusion Infrastructure. It's a project powered by zero-knowledge proofs. We talk about the challenges in voting digitally and in decentralized networks, how Macy uses ZKPs to solve this, and also how this could be used in the context of quadratic voting, like in the case of Gitcoin. Speaking of, I want to remind everyone that the Gitcoin CLR matching round eight is on now. So if you've ever thought of donating to the show, now would be a very good time to do so. All contributions, big or small, are matched, so even a small amount can go a really long way. Just saying, competition is pretty fierce this time around, so if you have a chance, please do help out. Now, before we kick off this week's interview, I want to say thank you to this week's sponsor, Parity Technologies. Parity is a company building the core infrastructure to power Web 3.0. And at the heart of the company is a genuine goal to empower developers to create better products and services through decentralized web technologies. They are currently looking to fill a number of job positions. This includes many in engineering, business development, and marketing. For the Berlin office, they are looking for a passionate social media manager to maintain and grow the company's social networks, as well as to activate customers and contributors alike. Also, they are looking for a CI, CD engineer to help automate an ever-growing set of open-source repos in GitHub. You should have experience with GitHub Actions, GitHub CI, or something similar, and compiler experience like Docker. If you're interested or know someone who might be, you can find out more at parity.io slash jobs. I've added the link in the show notes. So thank you again, Parity. Now here's my conversation with Wei Tsie, all about Macy. Today, I'm sitting with Wei Tsie. And today we're going to talk about Minimum Anti-Collusion Infrastructure, or MACI. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me again. I'm a big fan uh, and I'm super happy to be here. Cool. You've been on the show before. You were on the show, I guess, maybe three months ago to talk about trusted, maybe a little bit more even, maybe six months ago, to talk about trusted setups and the yeah. trusted setup that you would run for Semaphore specifically. Yeah. But in this episode, what we're going to be talking about is this project. You have sort of told us a bit about your background, but maybe a question for you would be, what have you been working on mainly since you were last on the show? Sure. So I work in the, with the ETM Foundation's Applied ZKB team. And one of our projects is called Macy. And this is something that I've been working full-time on for quite a while now. And so since we last spoke, I have also still been working on this project but also helping out in a few other projects with the team. And recently I've been working on the next version of Macy and also helping out with um, ClearFund, who is using Macy in production to build a system that allows for public goods funding on Ethereum. Ah, cool. And I think, I mean, this is the first time that we're actually going to cover the topic of Macy. It's so funny because I actually heard about it, I think, like a year ago or so. And I heard about it and I was like, oh, that's so neat. But I didn't really get, I didn't get a chance to dig into it until sure. now. But in doing some research for this interview, actually, it's 
super interesting. I feel like it's an awesome ZK use case that we haven't really covered very extensively, and I'm excited to dig into it. So I think maybe just start off, where does Macy come from? Where was the project born? And what what was it kind of like originally conceived as? Yeah. So around the middle of 2019, I think in May 2019, Vitalik posted a post on FVSearch. And this is where the idea um, first popped up. And I started working on this with other members of the team around late 2019. And that's where we translated the idea into actual running code as a proof of concept. And that's, yeah, I guess that's where it came from. It, just, it came from an F research post, but there is a extensive literature on the topic of collusion-resistant voting, private voting, receipt-free voting, things like that in computer science academic publications. But the name Macy and the particular instantiation of the idea was laid out in the post. I see. So what you just described, it's sort of like kind of an anti-collusion in the context of voting. It's allowing, you know, no, basically, actually, I shouldn't say what it is. I should ask you, what is the problem that you're trying to address exactly? Sure. So the main idea is that collusion is about having someone work with someone else who is a part of like a system where they give that person some kind of incentive to do something on their behalf. And this is bad if the fact that this incentive or this, you you could call it a bribe, if that exists, it would violate certain assumptions of that system. So Mm -hmm. for example, in voting, we don't want people to be bribed to vote for things that we would expect them to be voting for based on their free choice. Mm-hmm. And this is something that Macy was designed to counter as its first use case. So primarily Macy is used for voting. It would be an interesting exercise to figure out other use cases. But I think in terms of the cryptocurrency and blockchain space, voting is a pretty big use case in itself. Totally. But I mean, so this concept of collusion-free voting, though, this, I mean, this is a much older concept than even computer science, right? This is like democracies and how, how, you know, I think, I think, I'm probably going to quote this wrong, but I think like, wasn't ancient Greece like something about a stone that they put in a thing? Like there was like these, all these ways that people voted over the years and they found that there were problems with them, basically. Like ancient times, they discovered that if you did public voting, you could have pressure, direct pressure from some powerful entity, like staring at you being like, you better vote the way I want you to vote. And if you had to put your hand up or something like that, you would definitely get in trouble if you voted the wrong way. Sure. There was then the introduction of like private voting or, you know, and, and I know that in traditional systems, like those do exist. There are techniques, right, for managing uh, any sort of collusion or bribery. Sure. Um, So absolutely. In Singapore, which is where I'm from, when you vote and you have a piece of paper and you go into a shielded booth and you have a pen or a stamp and you um, take the box that you want to vote for and you fold it up and you put it in a cardboard box and the cardboard box is then sent to a place where it's counted and six months later, all the votes are burned and incinerated in front of the uh, officials and representatives from different political parties there is a system in place to ensure privacy 
And so I think that's where, yeah, I think we've we've come to a point where where that's sort of like a standard in voting. But I do want to say that Macy isn't it doesn't have national voting in mind. This is something very specific to the cryptocurrency and blockchain space where it's designed for people who are distributed around the world. It's designed for people who don't mind having their votes done or having the elections done in a digital format. I am well aware that there are a lot of people who would oppose using any kind of e-voting system. Uh, And that is fair because the stakes are very high, such as in politics. Mm -hmm. But Macy doesn't try to address those issues, which which run far deeper than than what anti-collusion is meant to address. So you're saying like, it's not, it, this is not proposing itself as like an alternative to the private voting that happens in elect, like national elections. Yeah. But I guess, I guess what I am curious about is like, what is, when you go from that, that transition from the meat space voting to the digital voting, what was, what's the problem that you're trying to solve even in that digital concept context? Sure. So in the digital context, whenever you make a transaction, you have a receipt of the transaction and the receipt in most cases, shows exactly what happened on chain. Yeah, and this is a this is something that you could show a briber to prove that you had voted a certain way. We want a way to vote for things mm-hmm. in such a way that you can't prove how you voted, but you want your vote to be counted in the way that you voted for. So let's say that Eve, who is an attacker, tells Alice, who is a voter. Alice, I want you to vote for option A. And if you do that and show me your Etherscan URL with your transaction ID and transaction mm-hmm. hash the and proof. everything. Exactly. Eve can verify that Alice had voted for option A and say, and then Eve can pay Alice a bribe. Mm-hmm. But if Alice cannot prove that she had voted for option A, option B or whatever, so Eve has no way to to tell how Alice had voted. And therefore, Eve doesn't have any incentive to even, to even try. Offer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're kind of trying to nip this problem in the bud, right? In the At the starting point where it's not that you're going to add more and more security and privacy around the vote that's passed, but rather say Alice can't. She, she would be unable to prove one way or another which way that she pr- she voted even if she wanted to, I guess. Yeah, exactly right. Hmm. So I want to try to picture myself in this situation. So let's say instead of Alice, it's me, Anna, and there's somebody who's trying to coerce me or get me to vote in a certain way. There's vote A or B, Mm -hmm. and I want to vote for B, but someone's like, you really have to vote for A. So what am I actually going to do? Like what role or what kind of, what path does my vote take? Sure. So in this case, the voter, Anna, has to first, so let's say that Eve's bri- Eve bribes Anna and Anna votes for option A, which is what Eve wants Anna to vote for. What Anna can do next is to vote for option B in a way that nullifies her first vote. So this way, the vote that Anna was bribed to cast is made invalid and Eve has no way to tell that Anna had cast a second vote that made the first vote invalid because the votes are encrypted. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, there is a coordinator, Charlie, who processes all the votes 
and tallies the results. The processing and tallying process is um, done using ZT-SNARKs. And in this way, the computations that occur to process the encrypted votes and to tally the results can be verified to be correct and can be done in such a way that preserves the privacy of the data. What would happen though? I mean, say Eve was trying to blackmail or like, I don't know, bribe tons of people and everyone does this process. Doesn't it end up looking like there's just double the votes? Like say everybody votes one way, nullifies, votes the second way. Is the total amount double? Yes, um, the attacker could see that there's a lot of traffic. There's a lot okay. of uh, there are a lot Extra of votes, votes being cut. <laughs> yeah, but this isn't necessarily a bad thing because in some cases you can vote for more than one item. So you could claim that you had been voting for not just the vote that the the party that you wanted to vote for, but also on other stuff. Yeah, like yeah. further down the ballot things. Yeah. Um, I guess the only case where like an Eve type character would be able to say, oh yeah, there is something going on that's <laughs> like, you're not doing what I'm saying would be if the vote that Eve wanted has zero like results for it, right? If A is the category that Eve wants and say there's like 20 people and Eve has tried to blackmail all of them, but it ends up being 100% option B, then Eve knows that option A <laughs> was not chosen uh, yeah. and that people have disobeyed. But if there's even one, there's no way for Eve to be able to figure out who had voted in accordance to what Eve wanted. Yeah, I think that's, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah. This would probably be less secure if there were few voters uh, to begin makes with. Sense. Yeah. You know, we've, we're talking about this in the context of voting, and we and I think when people think of votes, they're thinking about like on-chain governance or something like that. But is there, like, are there examples where it isn't exactly voting the way we understand it, but maybe something related? Ah, yeah, yeah, uh, precisely. Um, there are use cases where um, Macy could be applied for things that are not like voting for protocol upgrades or DeFi. Um, governance things. And so what could be done, uh, what Macy could be used for is in a system like Gitcoin Grants. And this is where you have a way to indicate your preferences for projects that you want to fund. And you can do this by donating funds to individual projects. And then your contributions will be matched in a quadratic fashion by some kind of matching pool. So this comes from large donations from large institutions that want to uh, have their funds um, allocated to projects in a way that, that reflect the community's preferences. And collusion resistance is when you have a tit-for-tat kind of arrangement where a project says, if you contribute to me, I'm going to give you something in return. That goes against some of the assumptions of quadratic voting and quadratic funding because we want the votes to accurately reflect the preferences of the community in an unbiased way, or in a, in a way that isn't biased by such incentives. So Clear Fund is doing something like that with, uh, they are using Macy as one of the components to allocate donations to public goods projects on Ethereum. 
This is the CLR matching, right? Yeah. Is, yes, it is. Like, is this already implemented, actually? Or is this more like an experiment still? Like the CLR matching where, you know, people are, there. there's like this matching pool and, and, and donations and kind of the number of donations mm. is like it determines how how funds are allocated like that's been going on now for i don't know like two years uh yeah i think Gitcoin grants has done this for several rounds yeah um i'm aware that uh, in addition to that player fund has recently completed one round of funding for a few projects and they use macy to do this oh so cool an, so it is being used it is on a small scale and we're hoping to work together to continue working together to make this happen on a larger scale and hopefully see this technology work in production. Cool. So I see. So it's still sort of like, still kind of in testing phase on Gitcoin specifically. Uh, on um, ClearFund, actually. On Clear. Oh, I see. It's like it's like Gitcoin. Yeah. Not, it isn't Gitcoin. Yeah. ClearFund. Yeah. It's a okay, CLR.fund. I, I see. Okay. I Sorry. I thought, I thought it was Gitcoin. But do you think Gitcoin might eventually use it? Yeah. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is the testing ground. Cool. So maybe now we can talk a little bit more about how the zero-knowledge proofs actually live in the Macy construct. Mm -hmm. Where do they live? The zero-knowledge proofs live with the coordinator of the system. I see, the Charlie of the system. Yes, yeah. And in this case, we trust that Charlie isn't colluding with Eve. So this is one of the trust assumptions that we can't really avoid in this system. And we also trust that Charlie isn't going to publish the, the plain text of the votes to everybody. So in this case, Charlie could be ClearFund or Charlie could be Gitcoin Grants or Charlie could be like the, the representatives of the protocol. Uh, actually, Charlie could just be the people who run the protocol of whatever system is using uh, Macy. Got it. And so what Charlie does is they use ZK Snarks to prove that they had processed and tallied all the votes correctly without revealing the votes themselves. Like, so, but Charlie, Charlie's going to be receiving sort of the, I voted for A, but then nullified yep. it and B. But what yes. does it look like to Charlie? What Charlie sees is that Alice has a certain public key and there are also other users who have their own public keys in the system. And Charlie also sees a whole bunch of votes that they had sent to Charlie during the voting process. And so what Charlie does is take each vote and calculate whether that vote is valid or invalid okay. based on certain rules, such as whether it's signed with the correct private key corresponding to a public key owned by a user, whether like a nonce in the vote is valid because nonces have to go in a certain order. Mm -hmm. If a nonce is out of order, it's kind of invalid. Charlie also makes sure that each vote is decrypted correctly. And so a vote that's gibberish will not be valid. So it won't be processed. And by processing each vote, Charlie's updating the number of votes that each option receives and also changing the number of credits, of voice credits that each user has if that vote is valid. So in the quadratic voting mechanism, 
if I have uh, 100 voice credits and I spend 25 of them on option A, and if my vote is valid, then option A gets five votes because we get mm -hmm. a square root of 25. But if I spend 81 voice credits, then they get nine votes. Okay. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, Charlie sees the final results and uses uh, ZK Snark to show that all this processing and, and sees that all this processing is was done correctly. And the ZK Snark doesn't just update the number of voice credits that each user has after they had cast a vote, but it also ignores invalid votes. I see. Yeah. Are the invalid votes also proven, though, to be invalid? Is there yeah, like a, an, yes. another proof that it's not correct? So the proof that the vote is invalid is part of the same zk snack circuit. What we do if a vote is invalid is that we simply ignore it. But not to get into too much detail, we also have a way to prevent someone who's observing the process to have no idea if when we process a batch of votes that all of them are invalid. What we do here is that, and now this is getting a bit deeper into the system, we represent the user's public keys and number of voice credits per user in the Merkle tree. Okay. And whenever a batch of votes is processed, the Merkle tree is updated to reflect the new number of voice credits per user or whether the user had changed the public key to something else and so on. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, we also update the first leaf of that Merkle tree to a random value. So even if all the votes are invalid, the Merkle root is going to change anyway in a way that an attacker can tell whether all the votes were invalid or not. I don't really understand that. How does putting the first, like a random first leaf, as you mm -hmm. described it, why does that make it indistinguishable to, like what hides, what, what's hidden about that? What it does is it makes the Merkle root uh, scrambled up because we hash everything together. Oh, because, to, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it. It's, it's yeah. like this randomness that's been added, therefore everything is, is, that, yeah. is, is it that? Is yes. it like because it itself is random? You couldn't recalculate it kind of without knowing that? Because we only have the Merkle root on chain. So the only public information about the user's public keys and stuff is the Merkle root. When we change the, the first leaf to a random value, it's going to change the whole, the whole hash. So I see. Okay, exactly. okay. Yeah. In sort of the documentation around this, it talks about two snarks. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've already described it. Maybe you can articulate this again, though. Where does each snark live? Right. So both snarks live with a coordinator. Okay. The first snark is what I just described, which processes the votes. And what it does is just to make sure that this is clear before we move forward. At the end of the day, the snark shows that the coordinator, that, that the coordinator has counted the votes that each user had cast in the correct order, in the correct way, and had also ignored all the invalid votes. And at the end of the day, the coordinator knows that, for example, Anna had voted for option A for, with like five votes and option B with nine votes, but also knows that Bob had voted for option A with two votes and option 
see with four votes. So、mm. each user has like a ballot with the number of votes they have for each option. To count the number of votes per option across all the users, we use a different snark. Oh, to tally everything up after the votes are processed. But that's so interesting. Like, how are you? This is just a. Like, how do you use a snark to tally? Like, I thought snarks are mostly like a. As I mean, as I've always understood, zero knowledge proofs offer a correct or not correct、mm-hmm. answer, not necessarily like a balance. So, how are you finding? How are you calculating or tabulating?、Sure. So, we first of all we tabulate the results outside the snark. Okay. And then we also have the snark which proves that this telling is correct because this, the logic in the circuit. Also tallies the results, and we pass in the, it as inputs and outputs. And so, as long as the snark says that yes, these outputs match what we expect the computation of the inputs to be,、mm-hmm. then yes, it's a valid、uh, results are valid. I wonder. I want to try to explain it back to you, and you can tell me if I got this right. But it's like one snark includes in it the actual information. So this is where you have the Merkle roots and you have the the leaves. So like basically, one snark is the Merkle tree, kind of, and the other one proves that what's been tallied on the side is correct. Or did I mess that up?、Mm, we are we use Merkle trees for in all in both snarks. And what we do is that because the Merkle root is public in the smart contracts that we have, but the leaves are private. I see. So when we say that. When the snark wants, when we use the snark to calculate stuff about the leaves, for each leaf we pass in the Merkle proof that that leaf is a member of the Merkle root. Okay. And the snark verifies that proof, and if it's valid, then we know that okay, we are talking about this user, and we can operate on their voice credit balance and public key and so on. Okay, so one snark is verifying that the root in a Merkle tree is correct, and one. Or like multiple roots are probably correct, and then one is verifying that the tabulation done separately is also correct.、Uh, so the thing is, everything is in the Merkle tree. That's the thing. That's that's why it's so confusing. <laughs> like, yeah. The, so there's a Merkle tree, and then there's proofs going through it. I guess maybe that's a better way to think about it. Yeah, there's a Merkle tree for users,、uh, public keys, and voice credits, and there's a separate Merkle tree for the final results and. One snark operates on the first tree, and the second snark operates on the tree that contains the results based、okay. on the values in the first tree. So it takes it takes it. Yeah. yeah. How does how does the tabulation happen though from one Merkle tree to another Merkle tree? Like what what's actually happening there? Right. So let's say in the first Merkle tree, which is the which is called the state tree, the state tree contains each user's public key. Voice credit balance, and here's where it gets even more confusing. A small tree containing the users'、uh, votes. Okay, so there's a sub tree. Yeah, there's there's, a, <laughs> there's yet another tree inside the, the leaf of a tree. Okay. <laughs> well, we just have to think about a tree as like an array because we are just taking an array and compressing it into one value, and because the snark can prove that you can use the snark to prove that you have knowledge of any value in that array. You can just forget about the tree and just think about you have a list of stuff,、mm-hmm. and you're checking those that those lists, I guess. Yeah. So one snark 
updates the ballot for each user. And then the other snark takes all the ballots and counts down the columns. Option A has four plus two plus nine votes and option B has like so-and-so. Is there any comparable system or is this a very novel use for of zero-knowledge proofs? Is there anything similar that influenced this? I'm not familiar with the prior art in the field, so I can't comment. I can't speak to that. But I'm also aware about a project called Vokdoni that is also about using, also doing e-voting, and they do use DK snacks. However, I'm not exactly sure exactly How what expect. Yeah, why exactly. it's different? Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. So I I can't speak on whether their use of DK snacks is specifically meant for privacy or for anti-collusion. So Macy is just one instance of using cryptography to to make elections or voting a little bit more safe. That's so interesting. Is it, do you think it's, um, like, is the focus more on privacy or is it more on this collusion res- resistance? Like, is there, I guess it has to be absolutely private for there not to be able to be collusion. But like, say even someone wanted to f- see their own vote, can they mm-hmm. see it? Yeah, they can see okay. it. Anna, who is a voter, can see her votes, but because it's encrypted to only Anna and Charlie. Okay. Can Charlie see the votes? Can, could Charlie decipher this somehow? Yes, Charlie must see the votes because Charlie has to count them in the, in the end. However, there is another ETH research post. This is written by Kobe Gurkhan, uh, where he describes a way to provide privacy in a way that Charlie can't tell which ballot or which vote belongs to which user. But but the, the current structure, the current construction of Macy there is this sort of trusted individual. And this is why I guess you say it should be like the organization that's trying to do the voting because yeah. you can assume that they want it done correctly. I'm kind of curious though, what is the solution? What is what is the way that Kobe um, suggested that we actually could make even Charlie not have to be trusted? Is it sure. like decentralized Charlie somehow? Mm, decentralizing Charlie is a pretty advanced uh, um like it is, it is something that people are thinking about, but mm-hmm. it's it's not at a stage where I'm able to like speak to at this point Got of time. It. By the uh, way, I think the name "Decentralizing Charlie" should be like the name of an <laughs> album or something. <laughs> it's uh, very yeah. weird, but I like it. Um, yeah. <laughs> cool. So uh, yeah, when it comes to um, what Kobe's idea was, the point is to re-randomize a user's registered public key. And so what is re-randomization? And by user, you mean the voter, right? You don't exactly. mean Charlie. You mean I don't the, mean Charlie, okay. yeah. So when Anna is a voter, she has a public key. And this public key is what she uses to sign all her votes. And so in this case, with the common construction, Charlie can see that Anna had voted for whatever she voted for because she, Charlie can look at her, her the signature uh, attached to all the votes. But what if we could have Anna change her public key to something else in such a way that Charlie has no idea to tell who owns that new public key? So to do this, there's a certain technique called re-randomization. In regular asymmetric cryptography, when you encrypt a message, you encrypt it with a public key and decrypt it with a private key. With re-randomization, you encrypt 
the message with your public key, do something special to it called, you guessed it, re-randomization re such that the ciphertext changes. And then you can decrypt this new ciphertext with the same private key and get the same message. But because the re-randomization changes the encrypted format or encrypted version of that cipher of that plain text. This is a way for Anna to change to a new pub public key. If she can anonymously submit a proof of that re-randomization. Re <laughs> um, oh. Yeah. Are we talking so, about a third snark here? Yeah, we are. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> this is snarks all the way down. <laughs> oh man. And maybe I don't know enough about the exact inner workings of snarks, despite having talked about it for all of these years. But like, is it not possible that one snark does all of these things? You really do need these unique snarks? It would be a bit expensive to do that. Um, I see. And it would make it more convoluted because within the logic of a snark, if like a snark had three functions, there has to be a way to to ignore the first two functions if you do want a third function. And, and it just complicates things. Is everything that's developed around Macy or projects like Macy, like, are they libraries? Are they just like logic? Like, what are they? Actually, yeah. They're not like a piece of software that you plug in They're What are they? So Macy is built using Solidity, Circum, okay. and TypeScript. Okay. So we have three pieces already and the smart contracts within the Solidity going to interact with other smart contracts that do things like funding and um, matching pools and stuff like that. The snarks are going to be, uh, you have to do a whole trusted setup and then produce the proving key, verifying key, and then the coordinator can use them to generate proofs. And the TypeScript is basically the code that glues everything together. It allows people to use like the command line interface to interact with the system. So Macy is really a library but also some CLI tools and also some circuits. So it's, it is kind of a library, I would say, but also has a few things of its own. Going back to ClearFund, like how does, does a project like ClearFund actually interact with it? ClearFund has a bunch of smart contracts that work with the actual tokens and if that's deposited into their matching pools and when a user indicates that they want to fund a certain project, their smart contracts takes the transaction and then does like a call to the Macy contract, which they deploy alongside their own contracts. And then Macy updates the Merkle trees inside its own um, storage. And, and then the clear fund contracts continue on and operate as usual. So Macy is really like a base layer or like a separate component that that's talking to the use case contracts that mm -hmm. deploy Macy. Cool. I, I'm wondering, like, what do you see as sort of the future for this project? Like, is it, is it you sort of mentioned that there's like Macy 2 or there's like something, yeah. something else. Is that, is Macy 2 kind of like the decentralized Charlie? Is Macy 2 a, a new version? What is that? Sure. Technically, we call it Macy 1.0 because the first version was like really basic. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, and the first version, there are a few downsides to using the first version because it was not optimized for gas consumption and you could only use it once per contract. So what you want to do with Macy 1 is to 
reduce the amount of gas you use per, per vote and allow people to have more than one election or vote each time they sign up. So we want more flexibility mm -hmm. in the system. The core of the system isn't really going to change because it's still about an collusion, but we want to make this a little bit more um, like friendly to projects that want mm -hmm. to use this. And we also want to experiment with deploying Macy on top of some kind of like layer two optimistic grow up solution because we just want to save on gas costs. And totally. yeah. So you just said multiple votes. Are you, is this sort of like that down ballot or is it more like if you had to vote two out of three? Oh, actually, sorry, I meant multiple elections. Multiple elections. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. So they're like totally separate units, but using, oh yeah, using the same account. So like, yeah. How, how expensive, going back to price then, how expensive is Macy like to yeah. use? Because I can just picture like the level of <laughs> computation needed. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is something that's occupied me for the past two months and trying to optimize for. Macy is expensive. So when you sign up or publish a vote, it could cost between like 400,000 gas to I think a million gas. And this is expensive. And the reason it's expensive is because we are inserting leaves into a Merkle tree on chain. And this is comparable yeah. to a tornado cash deposit. What we do is we use a, a snark friendly hash function and a snark friendly hash function is unfortunately expensive in the EVM. What we are trying to do with Macy 1.0 is to, what we're gonna do is to allow people to deposit in such a way that they don't update the entire Merkle tree every time they deposit or they mm -hmm. cast a vote or they sign up. The idea is to just insert it into like a really small tree, like a tree of two levers. And at the end of the day, the coordinator merges all the leaves together into the single Merkle root. And this in total actually costs less gas. And it also costs much less gas for each user. Cool. And so you picture kind of doing this and then also kind of experimenting with this on an L2 where it would also be cheaper, I guess. Like yeah. those are those are two separate optimizations, but like could be used together. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think using an L2 is going to solve the gas issue, but I don't want to place my bets on a whole new system just to solve this problem. I just want to find a way that works, even if we had to use L1. Cool. Yeah. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground with this explanation of Macy, but maybe is there anything else that you think our listeners should pay attention to or think about when thinking about Macy? Sure. I think listeners who are interested in building complex systems using ZK Snacks would find Macy really interesting. And that's because it's a whole new way of thinking about building an, an application. Um, first of all, you think about building stuff with Snacks, it's a different paradigm of understanding what kind of data is private and public and understanding what can be proven and what can't be proven and things like that. So the construction of Macy is, I would say that it's like, it takes some time to really understand at a technical level. And myself, I took like like two whole weeks to, to really understand how this should be built when I first started the project. And sometimes I, sometimes it's, I find that it's so complex that I have to go back to the specifications to understand what's going on, even though I wrote the specs myself. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I think I think Macy has been a really really um, enriching project to work on, and it wouldn't be possible without my teammates Barry, Kobe, Kendrick, Ying Tong, Zicheng, and Nakshman for really good feedback and a lot of work throughout the months. Cool. So given that like the first time that we met was actually to talk about the trusted setups, I'm wondering like when we when we talked about trusted setups, we talked primarily about Semaphore. So has Macy had a trusted setup? Will it have one? Does it need one for every election? Like how hmm. how does it work with the sort of trusted setup in the snarks? So with Macy, we can do a trusted setup. Uh, and we have to if we want to place a lot of funds, uh, a lot of value on chain into it. But we haven't done that yet because at this point in time, we just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, but the, there are plans in place to to run one. Uh, we need a trusted setup per circuit. Okay. So there are going to be at least two, uh, two setups, one per circuit. And it could be done in the same process. So you could have have some kind of like trusted setup program that takes two circuits and runs the setup for both and then you get the output. So it would take some, some more time than just doing one circuit, but to a user, it should just be in a one-shot process. One shot. Is this yeah. still, is this like still using the perpetual powers of Tau as it's phase one or does it have to do both phase one and phase two? This would be a phase two uh, trusted setup per circuit. And this is if we stick to Graph16 as the proving system. I am hopeful for other systems that don't need a per-circuit trusted setup, uh, such as Plunk. And um, I've been keeping an eye on the developments in building DSLs for those systems so that Macy could just iterate faster. Because yeah. it would be so much better if we had a system where you could just skip the phase two entirely and you nice. could have circuits for different, uh, different tree sizes Mm-hmm. And it would be much, much easier to do things. So it sounds like you're kind of like waiting a little bit to see if maybe there's some of these solutions or some of these trusted setups happening that you could also use the parameters from. But are you also examining like zero-knowledge proof systems that are just not like different? Like, are you ever thinking of replacing the snark? Yeah, basically window shopping at this point. <laughs> and I, I can't really like, say that, tell you which system I've chosen because I think everything I've said Graph16 is not super developer friendly yet. Mm-hmm. I think there are some some frameworks that have been put out there that are really promising, but I have not tested them very extensively. So in the ZK Summit, there was a presentation about MetaLabs doing Zinc, and I believe they're using Plunk. So that's something I want to try out. Cool. And there have been other developments in taking circuits in Circom and plugging them into Plunk. Again, those are really early on. It's too early to say whether that's going to work. Um, but I am very keen to to try those when it's ready. Nice. Well, we're all keeping our eye on what's coming out in that department. So good to yeah. hear that you're kind of keeping keeping your options open. <laughs> yeah, I guess we could say. Yeah. Um, nice. So I guess if somebody wants to get involved with Macy, where do they find you? What do they do? So I am on Twitter. Waitia underscore Eve. You can link that in the show notes sure. if that's okay. <laughs> For sure. 
And should they just tweet at you, or is there also like a GitHub uh, repository? There or? is a GitHub repository, and all the code is open source. And nice. there are also a few recorded presentations I made at a couple of meetups. So I think those would be good resources to look at. Nice. Oh, yeah. And just before we sign off, you know, we were talking about Gitcoin earlier in the show. And even though I understand Macy's not currently working under the hood in Gitcoin, I did want to just quickly say that we do have a grant uh, for the Zero Knowledge podcast in case anyone wants to contribute. It would be a really good time because there's the matching on. But anyway, thank you so much for sharing all of this info about Macy with us. And uh, yeah, and I hope to have you back sometime soon. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the podcast and I'm so happy to be here. Cool. And to our listeners, thanks for listening.